This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to episode 188 of the Stacey West podcast. I am one of your presenters, one of the quartet of presenters of Stacey West. My name is Gary and joining me this evening is Chris. How are we doing? Hello. Very well, thank you. Good to be back. Feels like a while since I've been on. It's good to be back. Well, yeah, it's been. I think it's been a while since I was on as well. I don't think either of us have done anything since um, before we went to Germany. And it actually seems strange because I was looking on. Um, I was looking at the uh, list of episodes, and the last episode was the one Ben and Jake did last week. I'm sure it was great. I don't listen to it. They bore the shit out of me. Um, but it, it was episode 187, Chippenham. And I, th- I looked at. It, I thought Chippenham's got to have been much, much further in the past than that it because Chippenham like- was. A- a low so much point. has happened since then. Yeah, <laughs> it does, doesn't it? And you, you think you know, Chippenham wasn't even two weeks ago, and um, just yeah, things seem to have changed around the club. I mean, obviously, for those for listeners who don't follow the blog or whatever, you and I got to experience Chippenham in Germany, didn't we? And it, it wasn't the greatest of experiences. Correct. Yeah, we had a we had a lovely time in Cologne and Dusseldorf. Um, watching some German football, enjoying the culture, had a great day, which uh, was tarnished somewhat by checking the result at Chippenham, and we all know what happened after that. It did, it did genuinely put a little bit of a, a damper on the evening. I also think the the copious amounts of alcohol the night before probably also <laughs> <laughs> might have knocked us a little bit for the second day. Um, well, the, but yeah, it, think- it, it, gen- it genuinely did did put a damper on things um, because we were. We were so keen. Maybe we fell into that trap that we said we wasn't going to. A little bit of entitlement, maybe, which we, you and I both hate, just expected to win. Thought, yeah, we'll go there, we'll win. We're allowed to go into Germany, enjoy ourselves, and uh, then we'll see who we get in the second round. And we came out of that with uh, egg on our faces a little bit, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I remember, I think they scored while we were on the train, and your at the time I hadn't got the watch that I've got now, and you get your notifications, and it came through on your watch, and you looked at it and was like, that's not good. Oh. And as soon as it went to one, then we kind of knew. And we got back to the hotel, the cosy hotel room, which was, um, <laughs> you know, it was 
Yeah, and I, I think one of us was trying to distract ourselves in the room while the other one was on the on the pan. And um, I think I, I heard, I think I heard your watch actually vibrate. That's how close we kind of were in the in the hotel room. And that wasn't by choice. It wasn't like we were huddled in one corner. That that was the uh, the room. And I remember thinking we've scored, and um, and you got a notification actually saying we'd scored, didn't you? And yeah. then your phone because it had been disallowed. And um, we went out that night and we didn't drink an awful lot. So, but. As I've said, it seems like a long while ago. We're talking about it now, and it seems like we're talking about something that happened a month or two months ago. Um, and partly that's Bristol City. I get that, fair enough. You know, that we've spoken about that already, and we'll, we'll maybe talk about the cup draw a little bit later on. Um, but a lot of it's to do with Plymouth on Saturday because it was um, it was a little bit of a different beast, wasn't it? Yeah, it was um, refreshing. Because it wasn't just... Re- the result wasn't refreshing, the, the performance was. I think a lot of the... Uh... Concern around around the the style that we've been playing in the last few games. We've known we could defend for our lives. We know that we could be hard to beat. Um, we know that we could play on the break. But what we did against Plymouth is we played on the front foot. We really took the game to them. We showed it can be an attacking formation. It can be it can be exciting. And it's the it's the best game of football I've seen since the bank for a long time. Probably since Sheffield Wednesday last season. Um, it, yeah, it was it was a pleasant surprise. I always felt like we could get a result, um, but I, I felt we'd get a result in the same way we got a result against the other teams towards the top of the league, not by playing on the front foot and by being the best team, by being the most forward thinking and the better team, marginally. Yeah, I, I think so. I think what was heartening, we haven't tended to start games particularly well. We've tended to come out and look to try and kind of play across the back a little bit and, and keep things tight and, yeah, against... Ipswich and Barnsley when you're away you you kind of you expect that a little bit and I think everybody expected that against Plymouth I think we all expected you know a, a relatively slow start and okay they had more possession 65% in the first 15 minutes um, but it just felt that there was a bit more of an intensity to our game and I think the first 15-20 minutes actually that we just didn't get the rub of the green I think it was three or four balls into the box and that sort of thing that that just dropped in the wrong place, you know, like Ben House had taken a step forward or it just drifted a little bit further back. And you thought, well, you know, actually this, this is a game that we could get something from. And, and when you look at Plymouth's, I mean, we didn't um, preview the game, but Plymouth came kind of in a, in a five, four, one. And it was, I think they were looking probably to dominate the midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just didn't happen, which was credit to our midfielders. But obviously after that, I thought that, um, you know, kind of after we weathered the first 15, 20 minutes, so to speak, um, there wasn't a lot to to show between the two sides, and the atmosphere I think helped, um, and that's obviously helped by the fact that we we looked like we wanted to play forward balls. Absolutely, yeah. I, it was nice that um, Mark Kennedy mentioned the atmosphere in his in his interview. I know he kind of has to a little bit, but it, it seemed genuine. I felt it seems genuine. Um, you know, him saying it's the best atmosphere he's ever experienced in football might be pushing it a little bit far. But for him to say that it was, it was had a positive effect on the team was was obviously nice. And there's you know a certain ex-manager used to always build the fans up, and it does go a long way to encourage us to do it again, doesn't it? Um, like you say, the credit to Plymouth in terms of the fans, great fans, no trouble whatsoever. Uh, nearly twelve hundred of them coming all the way from Plymouth, fair play, and that created a really good atmosphere. Um, but we've had bigger away followings before. You know, we've had we've had. A loud atmosphere for the first 10 15 minutes, and then it's been nullified by slow play and being maybe not that much entertainment on the pitch. Um, so I don't think it was just the atmosphere, I think the atmosphere was buoyed by what was happening on the pitch, as you said. You know, we had a real, from, from what I can see, it seemed like we just really wanted to 
play on the front foot. Um, yeah, I I've seen a, a bit online about people just making the point that our wing backs were higher up, and they were they absolutely were higher up. Um, the two wide forwards or tens, depending on how they play, they were more like tens in that game, so they were able to play more centrally. Now, was that because you know they wanted to go three v three against their back three, and that allowed our wing backs to get higher, or were the wing backs told to get higher, which caused the wide forwards to tuck in, or was it a bit of both? You know, whatever whatever it was, I'm sure there might be a little bit more to it as well. Um, it certainly worked. Yeah, I think picking up on your point there, from from my point of view, it seemed like the tucking in um, of uh, Diamond and Vernon almost meant that we went three on three. Mm-hmm. And then with our wing backs actually pushing on, it, it kind of either made Plymouth have to um, kind of retreat back because then their wing backs had to come back to track our tra- tra- Jamie Robson and Regan Paul, which meant that they were then playing further down the field. He did leave us at risk of being hit on the break, but then with the three that we've got at the back, we're not going to get hit on the break either. So that kind of worked. But what I also felt that it did was create spaces because um, the likes of James Wilson, for instance, had to make, uh, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was playing on the, was he playing on the right side of their three? three. So yeah. he, he was up against Charles Vernon, for instance. So what he's got to do is, when the wing-back gets the ball, he's either got to track Vernon. Now, if he does, Vernon drifts to the right, Wilson drifts to the right, it actually pulls open a space. It leaves Ben House one-on-one with the centre-half in the middle, with the, ball at the, with the ball at his feet. Now, I'd back Ben House with the ball at his feet against many defenders in this division when he looks a little bit out of his depth is when we're trying to land it on his head he's not that yeah. type of striker but by going 1v1 on all three of their, their their back three and not trying to push our wide players wide and, and kind of have three on one in Ben House we were creating all sorts of space just little gaps between the three centre halves looking to thread those clever balls through looking to play those triangles um, and then when you've got the likes of Virtue and Sanders covering every blade of grass and I said this on a pod, the last pod you and I were on offering that option so you've got you've got Vernon on the ball but you've got Jamie Robson ahead of him and then you've got Max Sanders dropping in there's your triangle and then the, you know the, the Plymouth had to adjust to us and I think teams that come and sit deeper probably we're not going to have quite as much joy against and uh, you know I, unfortunately we won't play as we did on Saturday against Morecambe I don't think it will be that easy um, but I thought that it was an attacking way of dealing with a good side whereas we've shown that we have defensive ways of dealing with good size, if you see what I mean. 100%, yeah. It's like high risk, high reward, isn't it? Um, it's kind of... But I, th- I think it was a calculated risk because, like you say, they had to adapt to us then, and that was great. And uh, so maybe normally going 3v3 at the back, and then it's wing-backs versus wing-back, isn't it? Centre-mid versus centre-mid, and then um, you normally find it's, it's then their front three, but it wasn't. So what we found happened is that when they when they were their kind of defensive unit was man for man and they cleared it. We still had a spare man of our back three to win the header. Adam Jackson and Cody O'Connor won every single header they went up against, it felt like. And then it was back on the attack again. Um, So I think it was, yeah, I think it was just things unfolded as we wanted them to. But I feel like we, you know, it wasn't luck. It was certainly wanted a player like that. Now, of course, you'd normally say, you know, let's, let's think about a typical Lincoln game. We do that for a little while. We can't break them down. Then they get a goal and we can't get back into it. Um, what was really refreshing is they scored their goal and it wasn't anyone's fault, firstly. Um, I even noticed that, you know, Jack Diamond even tried to cut out the early free kick. He made he saw it and tried to cut it out and didn't quite make make it. Um, he'd got a yellow card if he did it, but you know, he saw the danger, just didn't quite get there. Unlucky. We dealt with the initial threat well, came out, 
bang, goal, fair to it was good finish. But it, our reaction to that, different to what it has been in previous games in this season, was brilliant. We just kept doing what we were doing. And it would have been a travesty if we didn't go in at half-time um, level. And thankfully we didn't. And again, it was it was just brilliant. It was a brilliant minute or two, wasn't it? So was it Ryan Hardy, I think, with a good bit of individual skill? And that's what Plymouth are full of, individual quality on the ball. Um, tucked inside, great, brilliant shot. Just going to curl into that top corner from where you and I, we, we sit near each other and had that view. Like, oh, that's a great finish. And then Rushworth's hand just kind of comes and claws it away. We clear the ball off the corner. We, we, we challenge one for one, force a mistake. We press it well, win the second ball, attack, get a shot on target, get a corner, goal. Perfect. Beautiful. Cue euphoria. But it was nothing less than we deserved. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You're right. And and like you say, Mark Kennedy actually complained about their goal, saying that we didn't try and cut the free kick out quick enough and we showed a degree of naivety. And I think probably with the benefit of a replay, he might, he might think a little bit differently. But mm. like you say, I thought for the break for the goal and then, I might be wrong. I seem to think it was the ball came out. Virtue contested it. And Ben House then kind of knocked it into space for Charles Vernon. And, and it was Vernon who obviously kind of broke forward to, to yeah. win the, the corner. And um, I thought Charles Vernon actually showed quite a bit of character as well, because he had obviously just missed a golden opportunity mm-hmm. um, to score. And I've watched it back and I still don't know how he hasn't just stroked it in the back yeah. of the net. Well, he didn't even touch the ball. He kind of completely no. missed the ball. And, Poor and guy. From where, from where we were sat, it looked like oh, it must have bobbled badly. And then you mm-hmm. put it on the, the replay and you think... Ooh, that's maybe being a little bit generous, but he didn't let it affect him. And you know, I like Charles Vernon. We've got a question later on that we're going to kind of analyse a little bit, but I think he's direct. He always wants to get forward. And there's this notion that we don't play forward passes enough. We played, um, by the way, uh, four fewer, fewer forward passes in the first half against Plymouth than we did against Accrington, just as a, a point of reference. So, you know, it wasn't that we were always getting it forward. It's that, I think it's the the manner you get it forward, isn't it? Um, but obviously, Ed, Vernon goes through, uh, credit to him, and then a great set piece. I think, did he take the corner as well? Not sure. Was it Jamie Robson? One of them, whichever took the corner, he's a it great was spot. Yeah, it was definitely planned to create space for yeah. Sanders at the far post. It was quite clearly that was meant to happen. The old, you know, what was it, the... The old cliche it was straight off the training ground, but I think it probably was. Yeah, yeah I think it was as well. Yeah, definitely. And then... Another absolute, just just spanked it in. Took it down well. Good touch around the player. Goal. Brilliant. And we were unlucky not to get a second in the second half in that little moment. About 10 seconds, we had about five shots, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was going to say, when we went in, and when they go in from half-time and the crowd are still doing the damn busters, and I think I said to um, Matt wasn't there, was he? Who was sat there? I was my old man. I said to my old man, like, that's you know they're going to want to come back out now, and it's going to be Plymouth that have got to pick themselves up at half time, and it's us that can go come out and play with confidence. And I thought for the first kind of period of the second half, that's exactly what we did. Now look, they're always dangerous. There was never a point in the game where you thought Plymouth weren't at it. This wasn't a poor Plymouth side. It wasn't a Plymouth side. I don't think having a bad day. They they're a good side. But we came out in the second half, and there was that one moment, as you mentioned, on sixty six minutes where we created more in terms of shots on goal in the 22nd period than both us and Charlton did in the entire 90 minutes <laughs> when we played each other. Because they that in that game, it was three shots on target, three shots on uh, each, one on target. And in that little spell, I think it was six shots with two, three on target again. 
Um, and in terms of XG, we created more in that 22nd passage of play than we have in, in eight or nine of the games that we've played prior to this. Probably going back almost as far in the league as as, as somewhere somewhere like um, Bristol Rovers. Didn't you say the um, in that little twenty second spell the XG was over one? It was one point four five, I think. Yeah, so one, one and a half. Then so yeah, so yeah, that yeah. just shows how unfortunate we were not for not one of them to to, to drop in the net. But yeah, it was the thing is it was just really good football. It was good attacking by us. Good, you know, good determination to keep getting the shots away to not let them out, but also brilliant defending by them. Yeah, yeah, it was. Like, yeah. And it was it was just brilliant football. And it was unlucky for not one of those to, to drop, but you know, you're not gonna get them very often. But I, was, I guess I know I've said it already, but I was just incredibly impressed with our ability to show that attacking intent. And it was I don't want to kind of talk about intangibles because you and I are quite the same. I think we like to analyze and we like to get backed up with the stats. But it just felt like we wanted to do things a bit quicker with a little bit more quality. So we always try and pass the ball. Quickly, it feels like generally we do, and sometimes it's almost yeah. too quick and it breaks down because we're too almost too intense with it. I just felt like we got those three, four, five passing sequences that got us in. They were just more regular and a little bit more controlled, I suppose. They, yeah, I don't know what's been happening working on the training pitch, but it's working. It was just it was just really really enthused by it. I have to say, we came out of that game. It felt like a win in terms of the performance. And what was really good is you know the week before. It was exactly the same number of points. It was the same scoreline that we had a week before. But the reaction from everybody and the feeling walking outside out the ground, back to the car, was just polar opposite. And yeah. and it was nice. It was really nice <laughs> to walk back yeah. to, the car, to the car and just feel just feel good, you know, and feel like we can see where we're going and we can we can see, right, we know we could defend. The question we have was can we attack in this shape? And those questions were answered on Saturday. And I think it just not just fills us full of confidence and fills us full of um uh, yeah, I suppose confidence is the right word, positivity about that performance. It it kind of proves that we're on the right path. And you kind of think, well, if that's what we're like in the first 15, 16 games, what are we going to be like in March? Yeah, I, it feels I, like I agree. Can see it. I, yeah, because I, I, people kind of talk about from the start of the season how we've progressed. And I think actually you have to look at, at individual chunks through the season. And I think you, one cut-off point was, was Cambridge, because obviously it was the day after the transfer window. So Jack Diamond was only kind of a week into his Lincoln career. Matty Virtue had barely played. Um, I think it was his first game at Cambridge. Danny Mandrew was still injured, et cetera, et cetera. And that for me was a cutoff. And I felt really down after that game. Yeah. And then I think you, you kind of got to the Barnsley game recently where we'd proven then actually that we could adapt. So you get to Bristol Rovers, we're still leaking goals. Then we go all the way through October and Mark's tw- he's just tweaked it. We've shown that we're a good defensive unit. When you know, and, and you make use of the tools that you have available, and we have, in my opinion, one of the best sets of defenders in this division, bar none. You know, I, d- I don't think fans of Ipswich or somewhere like that, if they were to, if we were to swap our defenders with their defenders, I don't think it would adversely affect where they are. Adversely affect where they are in the league. I think that's how good our, our set of defenders are. How you line them up and that sort of thing is different. And and yeah, we could have a more attacking right back, but. You're not going to tell me there's any team in this division that can field three defenders better on their day than Joe Walsh, Adam Jackson and Paddy O'Connor in the centre at this level. Then you've got Regan Paul who could sit on the Adam Jackson side. Jackson could sit where O'Connor, you know, it's phenomenal. But it was the attacking. And for me, as, as you just said, the last couple of games, and this is why Chippenham seems so, so long ago, because Bristol City and 
Plymouth, we've actually gone and we've had a go. And an interesting stat, actually, 23 crosses against um, Plymouth we put in and seven were successful. Yeah. Uh, and you go back to Barnsley, five and one. Sheffield Wednesday, six with one successful. Um, Ipswich, four, non-successful. Charlton, 14, three successful. Bolton, six, three. So, you know, it's clear, unfor- I say unfortunately, because... You know, a lot of the criticism has been of the fullbacks, and I've defended Sean Rowan and, and TJ Oma. Um, but I think they are more defensive fullbacks. Mm-hmm. And Mark has actually demonstrated, well, I do have attacking fullbacks in my squad if I want to play them. And so probably the one game where we got it wrong was was Port Vale away. And you know, there was a lot yeah. of criticism after that, and it was some of it was probably justified. But the truth is that three at the back is not a defensive formation, and he's proven that now in games against Bristol City and Plymouth. Well, I think you you know. A few of us know that, but we hadn't. It hadn't been a lot of people. Can it hadn't been proven to, because we see it as a back five. And let's let's be brutally honest. When we were playing against those those you know the, the the more established teams, it did seem more like a five. And um, I can see where that criticism came from. And like you say, that the criticism at Portville was, uh, I would say, a lot of it probably was warranted. But what's really good to see is we've learned from it, we've progressed from it, and that's that's a good sign. You know, we all make mistakes, we all we all get things wrong. But it's how we come back from that, how we react to it. And we've changed. We didn't just go, let's think about it last season again, but that wasn't to criticise Michael Appleton too much. He had a very much a set style of play, set system and style. Right, well, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we get better at this system. But actually what it shows is Mark Kennedy and his coaching team are happy to tweak, tweak it within the same shape, but tweak certain things to, to improve. Um, and that's that's just nice to see. It's just nice to see that we can we can progress. Also, I saw an interview with Kennedy. I can't remember who it was by uh, relatively recently, and he said it might have been with the club actually. Um, and he said that if you'd asked him at the start of the season where we think we'd be by now in terms of how we play, how we set up, etc., compared to how we actually are, he says it's completely different. He says, but yeah. he is really comfortable with where we are, um, and you can see that. Um, but I like that pragmatism and that willingness to change. And you know, you can all you know, I always find someone that's happy to change their mind when new information becomes available, whether it's, you know, just in the world or in football, if it's statistics, if it's performances, you get, okay, you know what, maybe I need to change because it's not working or because we need to tighten up at the back or then we need, okay, we're tight now. Now we need to show how we can go forward as well. And we've worked through those processes rather than just sticking to a good. So I just think that's a really, I just, I just like that in a person, let alone, for, you know, a football manager. Yeah. I, I can understand that. And I agree 100%. I'm always, I have more respect for people who have an opinion and then are willing to change that opinion. I've said that a million and one times. They're the people that I'll listen to on social media when they disagree with me because I know that if evidence to the contrary comes along, they won't kind of steadfastly defend their 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 opinion when you know it's being proven wrong. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I did admire Michael Appleton for sticking to his principles because he had a, a method of playing football that had brought results for us in one season uh, and he stuck with that. It was frustrating when, you know, you tune a look against MK Dons and you don't change it. But what we are seeing is the opposite. And and I'd have, I keep, we keep comparing Michael Upton, Mark Kennedy. We're going to because, you know, there's so many similarities between them, you know, played at the top level, probably didn't go on to have the career that they should have done for various reasons. Um, you know, really respected former coaches. But then you look at the opposites, Man United and Liverpool. You look at the characters, very kind of, dare I say, insular and, uh, and pragmatic in Michael Appleton, whereas Mark's probably a little bit more user-friendly, so to speak. Um, but I do think... I, I, you know, 
I've got to agree, Mark. He's not willing just to tweak, sh- uh, just to tweak little things. He's willing to change shape wholesale. And he started mm-hmm. at four. He started with four at the back. We won six three. That was the last time I think we played four at the back, apart from in the uh, Papa John's Trophy. Yeah, you know, we scored six away from home against Bristol Rovers, and he's gone. We've conceded three. I'm going to change that. And it just, we're on a journey, and I know that's awful. That's the sort of kind of um, rhetoric or, or, or catchphrase I despise, you know, when you're on a, oh, it's a, great, it's a great, it's a journey run. But you can actually see that it is. This Lincoln <laughs> City now is different to the Lincoln City that kicked off against Exeter. And the Lincoln City that lost to Cambridge United was different from the one that kicked off and the one now. But each little step is, a, is an improvement. And that's what kind of leaves me thinking, well, where can we go? Pound for pound, when this squad's fit... I'm going to go on record now and say I don't think we're far actually off a top half squad. Dare I say, having seen a majority of the the league, or sorry, having seen a majority of the top nine, I don't think we're far off a top ten squad. That team we played. That team we played on Saturday, top of the table. Brilliant players. Bali Mumba, for instance, really like him. Was at Sunderland, I think, as a youngster, went to Norwich. Um, Definitely a a high pressing wing back. James Wilson actually played centrally, not to the right. So my bad or our bad on that. Um, you know, is he any better than what we've got? According yeah. to Y Scout, played centrally. I can see, I can see Chris. For those who are listening, I know you don't have the the, the pleasure of uh, visibility, and Chris frowned there. But um, yeah, so there we go. Well, I still like getting it wrong. <laughs> so, no, I don't either <laughs> at all. I don't either. The point I still thought, stands, though. The point still stands yeah. about the position. Uh, yeah. It was just the wrong person. And, and the worst thing is, do you know what? If I hadn't said it, no one would have noticed. No, no one would have gone. Actually, James Wilson played on the centre. Maybe one or two people might have been, but they're, they're the sort of people that would be too polite to say so. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just yeah, we. I, I think it's it's the progress, isn't it? And the, the the worrying thing, of course, is the next time there's a blip, and there will be. There will be a blip. You know, progression isn't constant. You don't go on a journey and, and kind of, you know, hit a bump and then carry on. There's no more bumps because you've gone through one. Yeah, I don't want the fans to turn again because I want people to remember Bristol City and Plymouth Argyle and go, and Barnsley and Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday and go, there's all those components there. Mm-hmm. If we keep putting things in right, we, we will get there, but it might not be till next season. Correct. Yeah, there the will be games that we lose, there will be games that are flat. But I think the big difference now certainly for me, is this is the first time that we've seen, I said it before, but this is the first time that we've seen that that attacking output. And, you know, it's nothing. Yeah, we've got that in the locker now. We can do that. And that was that was always the big criticism. That was always the worry. OK, we're great against the big teams, and that's obviously a good, a good thing to have. We know how to play against them. But we, we know that we can play on the front foot now. So even, well, Saturday might happen. You know, it's going to be a difficult game against Morecambe on Saturday in regard to how they're likely to set up and the type of game it's likely to be. Um, but we know that we have got that attacking output in the locker now. And I think it'll be easier. It'll be easier for you and, and the other guys on the pod to kind of remind people of that when we discuss it after the bad game. Hopefully it'll be easier for people to think about it after the game themselves. To think, yeah, but Plymouth, you know, we can do it. So it's okay. You know, this is just one game. I think that's a much easier conversation to have with yourself once you've seen it with your own eyes um, than it is where, just thinking we could. Where do the injured players come back into this? I mean, I, I, let's take let's take a couple for a start. Where does Tom Hopper come back into this Lincoln City side at the moment? And I'm not talking. He has a squad role. I get that. Does mm-hmm. he come in? Is he a starting centre forward, being club captain, or? Well, for me, no, know, not at the moment. No, not at the moment. He comes on. If let's say best case scenario, we're a goal or two up with 15, 20 minutes to go. He comes on and we 
we hold on to the ball higher up the pitch with him on the tin the team. But then what Kennedy has shown that if you have a good game, if you have a good spell, you keep your place. So Ben House 100% deserves to keep his place in the team, even if we've had a fully fit Tom Hopper. But then 10 games down the road, Tom Hopper's Ben House picks up a small knock or gets suspended. Hopper comes in, has a good game. Um, Mark Kennedy has shown that, yeah, you get rewarded for playing well. Um, so there's those two elements, isn't there? Because there's the horses for courses. You know, you have different players that perform different roles in your squad and you want to have different types of different teams. But then you also want to reward good performances. It's a great question. Don't know the answer, but the squad's going to be stronger with him in it. Is is another the question then? The squad. These these aren't coming from Twitter, by the way. These are coming straight from the mind of me um, now, literally, because I kind of they're the sort of things I'd see when I do the dog walk, and I'm just interested in in, in your perspective. Mm. Um, let's say more come this weekend. Tom Hopper and Ben House are fit. Ben's played how he's played going into this game. More Kumar, as I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, going to be more defensive. Do you bring Tom in? as you just said, horses for courses. So do you not change a winning team based on form or do you willingly change a winning team despite form in order to combat the opposition? Because I think I know the answer from Michael Appleton and I think I know the answer from Mark Kennedy and I think they're different answers. So do you want the answer from my perspective or what I think Mark Kennedy Your perspective. Yeah, and, and Well, and what you think Mark Kennedy will do if you think I different. I would, personally, keep it as similar as we can with but plan ahead for how you would then integrate with a change. You know, so, okay, so 60 minutes, this is where we stand. We need to change it. This is what we're going to change to. This is how we're going to bring him on. This is how we're going to utilise maybe two up top, whatever. Um, but you plan for both, but you, I don't I don't think you start with that. Even if he's been fit all this time along, I, you know, he hasn't been playing. So if he's been, let's be honest, if he, if he was fit for the last six weeks, we wouldn't have played Ben House for 90 minutes every single game uh, or near enough. I know he came off a couple of times, but. But in pure one game, yeah, I, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it to start with, but I'd be happy to change it during, during the game. So, okay, let's, um, if you're happy, let's move on to Morecambe because let's. we're going to play them twice in the space of a couple of days. I did the Morecambe podcast um, last week and, and Dave, who I did it with, said to me, just be our luck to draw you. He goes, because we can, you're one of about four teams we can draw. He said, so uh, if it is, I'll have to check out hotels in Skegness. And I thought, well, phew. I mean, I suppose coming from Morecambe, it'll be like a home from home a little bit, because I think they're quite similar type of places, aren't they? Um, but I think that might be a little bit, that might be a harsh on Morecambe. On Morecambe. <laughs> yeah, I think it <laughs> yeah. might be a little bit harsh on Morecambe, actually. Um, so, look, I mean, I... Um, I did a, a little, you're going to hear clicks of the mouse now, because I, I had a quick look at Morecambe in terms of the um, League One kind of team rankings. Oh. So we, defensively, here are some of the things that Morecambe are, when I say top of, not in a good way. Shots against, 301 this season. Next, Wickham on 261. So they have conceded 40 more shots on their goal than any other team in this division. Defensive duels, 1,334. That's more than, I mean, Accrington, a, a fifth, 1,249. So nearly 100 different. Um, they've got 834 interceptions. That's top five. They've committed the second most number of fouls in the division, 229. Uh, they've got the third, fourth highest number of yellow cards. Uh, they are bottom, I think, of the um, shots table, I seem to think, or they're in the bottom. 
Actually, we're uh, bottom of the shots table. We're sure, sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it must, yeah, I shot. think it, it was ex- possibly it was expected goals. I think, yeah, they've got a lower XG than we have. Yeah, which is points. Well, ours has gone up how, quite a bit, hasn't it? It has gone up, yeah. It had to do. I mean, we, you know, we're getting a match's worth of XG in one minute. Um, you know, conceded goals, they're, they're kind of down there again. I can't actually find where they are now, conceded goals. They, then, you know, is that, does that paint a fair picture? Well, yes, I think so. Um, <laughs> right, that's where <laughs> Bob. Uh, and also the league table, you often say the league table doesn't lie. It, it doesn't, after 46 games, um, it can at this stage of the season. But we're, we're far enough in it for, for us to get a decent enough picture of the quality of teams. And yeah, I don't want us to, you know, just hit them with a stick and, you know, think, oh, the crap, we should beat them. But let's be completely honest. We should, we should, on pure statistics and on, on form, we should be. But let's not kid ourselves the type of match it's going to be. It ain't going to be as entertaining as it was against Plymouth. We're not going to be able to get our attack at will. Um, depends how they set up for me, I think. Um, they've had, a, they've, they've, They've been very happy to change their shape regularly, and they've even changed their shape regularly during games quite a lot. I was looking through this earlier on Y Scout, and there's a lot of the teams at the top. Basically, it says what, what formation they played, and there's a little percentage here which shows yeah. what percentage of the match they played that formation in. Um, and Morecambe, for a majority of their matches, have only been playing one shape for about. 35% of the game, there or thereabouts, 35 to 50 for most of the matches, which shows that they change it. Now, is that because they go a goal down, they want to push it? Is that because things are not, aren't working? Or is that because they're quite adept at different shapes? Or, that, or does it mean they're not settled on something? You can you can read into that so many different things. But I think knowing that they have the ability to change their shape and also, you know, like you mentioned about, do we stick to our guns and do we try and plan for them? Because they change their shape a lot, you can't really plan for them. So, for me, we, we stick to our guns. Um, if I was Morecambe manager, which I'm not, of course, not qualified um, to give this sort of information, but I'm going to do it anyway, because uh, they've played the back three quite a lot. But I'd go right back. If, I, if, we, if we played against the back three, and we now know that we, well, we've got success by playing our front three narrow against their back three, make it a wing-back versus wing-back, I think that could be really good for us and we could pin them in. If they play with the back four, then you can't do that because they've got an overload at the back and that might be a bit more of a, bit more of a, stodgy slow stop start game um it's not all about systems but it kind of a big impact on the match so i'm hoping they play it back three and that we can just go right let's go man for man let's take it to the first 10 15 minutes and that's all good uh, what i noticed is there's only one period in the game where their xg is respectable and that's between 30 and 45 minutes um in the first 15 minutes it was abysmal in the first 15 minutes after halftime, it was poor. And in the last 15 minutes, it was relatively low as well. So, it look, again, it's only stats, but it looks like they don't start quickly. It looks like they haven't got a threat towards the end of the game. Um, but they maybe try and up it. You know, So I think to me, it's like for their mentality might be a case of stay in the game, slow it all down. And once it's in, then we can try and implement ourselves and get a goal before half time. So I think if we, if we can start quickly and get an early goal, you know, maybe we would be able to really impose ourselves on the game. But if not, be prepared for Accrington at home, Mark 2. But let's just hope we don't concede. And you know what? If we win 1-0, it's a stodgy game like that, but we win and we stay solid, fine, great, move on. But I think we really want to be getting three points this weekend. 
Yeah. First of all, apologies to anyone who can hear my dog snoring in the background. He's literally just getting louder and louder like he's doing it on purpose. Um, yeah, the point I'd make, actually, you know, they're quite good at grinding out results. Draws, 1-1 yeah. one, one against Portsmouth, 1-1 one, one against Derby, 1-1 one, one against Wickham. Um, they beat Barnsley 1-0. Uh, in the Cup, they're not so good. Lost to MK Dons, lost to Chef Wednesday, two quite tough games. Um, but then you look at some of their league losses, kind of 3-1 Accrington. I mean, how did Accrington score three goals against anybody? Um, yeah, and when they do get tonked, it happens. 3-0 Sheffield Wednesday, 4-0 MK Dons, 3-0 Peterborough. You know, they do have 2-0 Sheffield Wednesday and MK Dons in the cup. So they do have that kind of um, tendency once they concede and once they kind of get broken down. I, I, I think the game's there for the take. And you're quite right about their formation, for instance, against Portsmouth. They actually started 3-4-2-1. So kind of a... Yeah, it's like a three-four-three three or a, similar to us. Let's be honest. Yeah, it was similar to us at Port Vale with with two tucked in behind the striker rather yeah. than rather than or, overlapping. Or yeah, and then at half time they went to a five-four-one, um, which you know it's obviously it is what it is. Um, then against Milton Keynes or MK Dons, they started that game with a three-four-three. Three, then they went to a four-four-two, but like a four-four-one-one. Rather than a four-four-two, so I think Shane McCartan and John Akindi, rather than kind of a strike partnership, then on then they went to a strike partnership, and then they <coughs> went back to five in the middle. So they played three-four-one-two, four-four-one-one, four-four-two, and then four-one-four-one in in the same game. Now, whilst that does show a willingness to to change things up, I think it also shows the fact that that Derek Adams doesn't know his best team, and you know I'm going to try and to do this with the greatest respect. This Morecambe squad is not League One quality. And so the fact that they are not rock bottom, I'm really impressed with. You know, they've got um, they've got Cole, Cole Stockton, who everybody kind of know, knew and loved last season. Uh, I think he, he kind of tried to engineer a move and, and it wasn't happening. He barely plays now. They've got the young lad, I think it's Adam Mayer. He's come through their um, academy. He normally sits either on the left or, or just behind um, Kevin Phillips or Kieran Phillips rather up top. Uh, they've got the um, the lad on loan from Southampton as well. Is it Caleb Watts? Um, I think his name escapes me now. But he was on loan at Crawley last season. Yeah, Caleb Watts on loan at Crawley last season. Played one game, came on from the bench. He's now getting regular League One football. And by regular, I mean he's turned out nine times for them this season. But he's getting regu- relatively regular League One football um, at, at Morecambe. So Derek Adams is a good manager in getting the most out of um, limited squad. However, this week, I think, I don't know if you've had a look, he came out after the game on Saturday and was very, very critical of the board, very critical of the squad that he had got and that he hasn't got the tools. And there's more or less said, unless something changes, we won't be able to do anything in January either. Their morale is going to, he's not a man manager for me. Derek Adams. I agree. Um, yeah. So you get Mark Kennedy will come out and when you've lost, he'll talk about himself or the errors he's made, or he'll say something that the fans go, Oh, Mark Kennedy, you should have apologized to fans. It's not about the players. You come out after you've drawn with Portsmouth one all, and you start talking about budgets and you start talking about stuff like that. It's, you know, it's a real problem. So you're having some technical difficulties. Well, I don't know how my headset wire has got tangled because I plugged it in when it was untangled <laughs> and it's suddenly all tangled up and I haven't moved it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I've got to sit close to the computer screen now because it's too short. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I was listening to most of that. Um, sorry, carry on. No, no. So there we go. And so I agree with you. This is the, the sort of game that we should be winning. 
I don't think in terms of performance, it'll be the sort of game that gets people up off their seats. But by the same rationale, do you know what? I, when I say I feel relatively confident, I think that we'll, I think that we will take a result from this. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, you'd look forward to the Football League trophy quickly as well. Do you know, they have actually qualified without winning a game. It was them. Was it that team that I yeah. mentioned it a few weeks ago? A team who qualified by without winning. That was Drew three. Do three three with Everton under twenty ones and one on penalties, so got two points. Drew nil nil with Hartlepool, and I think one on penalties, uh, and they therefore well, got the two they? points. And then they lost to Harrogate as well. Yeah. That was, um, and given of course that um, that we have the FA Cup off, uh, and I think they have the FA Cup off as well. They were locked out, so actually. I think Tuesday is a more winnable game than Saturday because I think they're unlikely to come shut up for a draw and try and take it on penalties, although they're obviously very good at that. But I think that you'll have some of our fringe players coming back in. Potentially, you might see you know Ted Bishop getting a run out. You might see one or two injured players returning. Jacob Davenport will play players with something to play for. I think we're more likely to actually draw on Saturday and win on Tuesday, even though you know, you'd prefer it the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, that, that all makes perfect sense. I think on, on Saturday, it's just really nice because we know we can play against the bigger teams and we know we can play in two different styles against them now. Um, but as much as we feel like we should be able to play against more, we should be able to beat them. It'd be really nice to actually get to the point where we get out one of those games with a win. Um, you know, you okay? My dog has, my, no, my dog has farted. In his sleep as well. It's absolutely, <laughs> yeah. It normally he doesn't. I saw you screwing your face up. I didn't know what was wrong with you. Oh, dear. <laughs> and this seems like a good time. Uh, what are we on? 39 minutes, 48 seconds. Uh, this seems like a really good time to introduce Tom from the Shrimps Online, um, who has been given a rather less kind of one-sided, biased view of Morecambe to uh, Jake. So take it away, Mr. Todge. Matt Morecambe then, Tom, obviously currently sat in the bottom four. Um you guys stayed up sort of miraculously last year, given the expectation and the size of budget, etc. Um, what are your sort of early thoughts on how you've got on so far this year? Um, to be honest, <laughs> quite similar to last season. It's not too dissimilar to what I would expect, um, given given the challenges. Um, for example, the budget, um, the fact that we are. Um, side we are um, and League One being a very tough league we are kind of there or thereabouts where I'd expect um, it, it is challenging and the fact that we I've maintained that if we can still be in the hunt for, for survival come the other side of Christmas then I think we'll be in a good shout um, So we like to have a look at the, the last time that these two teams played against each other Tom, which as we alluded to before we came on was last season and um, you guys turned us over at your place. I think it was 2-0. But the last time we actually played was at the bank. And it was a 2-1 win for Lincoln. Um, Morgan Whitaker and Kevin Brown were getting the goals for Lincoln. And then Diarago, if that's how you pronounce it, scored your sort of really good left-footed strike from outside the, the box, I can just, remember. Just um, calling Tombs. Tombs is easy. Tombs is easy. <laughs> um, but again, that was a really good game, a fascinating game of football. Probably we were on a very low point with our, with our time with Michael Appleton at that point and, uh, and our home form was horrendous but it was one of the very few home wins that we got what can you remember from the, the evening's football that you got that evening? Well I was I was actually watching um, 
significantly uh, significant altitude on my honeymoon um, just about to go to Machu Picchu the following day and I was watching on my my phone on iFollow so I didn't perhaps get the best version of the game but from what I remember it was really a game of two halves like first half we were just appalling and you just dominated us um, from what I can remember and then second half we we really should have got ourselves back into it can't remember. I remember team scored that goal, but I just remember his, I can't remember the exact chances. But I feel like we just spurned a, a few chances that we should have scored, and in the end, should have come away with a draw, maybe. But maybe you can enlighten me. I can't remember that well. I remember the home game reasonably well because it's one of the games we actually won. Um, but yeah, and, and again, it was on a, a tiny phone, so I might not have been of the best opinion for it. Um, yeah, but it felt like a good end-to-end game of two halves, from what I can remember. Yeah, I, I think you guys probably uh, missed a few clear opportunities that maybe this season you might score it might be interesting um, now Tom as someone who's very sort of well known around, around the EFL like you are obviously listening to the, the, the podcast that famously put us to finish bottom of League One this season which we don't like to talk about um, what have been your early sort of, <laughs> what have been your early thoughts on, on Lincoln so far this year obviously we're, we're sat 13th at the minute um, and we could potentially go up to 9th if for when our games in hand, but are you surprised to see us sort of higher up in the table than what maybe you would have anticipated? Mm, difficult one, really, because it's a bit of an unknown quantity. When you um, when you're getting a manager from overseas, you don't. It, it can go one of um, a couple of ways, really. And um, some interesting signings over the summer. Um, um, I want to say Patrick O'Connor. Uh, yeah. I always think he's been a good. Part. It's Patrick, isn't it? Uh, Pordy. It's like Pordy O'Connor, um, who until recently I thought was actually Anthony O'Connor's brother, and then someone actually corrected me. Um, uh, I've always rated him. Um, who else? Um, Jack Diamond. I maybe. thought losing Scully would be. Jack Diamond. Jack Diamond. Um, very good player. Remember him? I think he was on loan at Harrogate. Yeah. Um, yeah very good player seems to have a lot of output um, realistically if I'm being honest with Jake I would say Lincoln would be the type of team I would be targeting to finish above if we're going to stay up um, but you're at 13 so fair play to you um, You, you're going to be there by merit and won't take that away but if I look at levels of club without being too disrespectful I would say that in terms of squad you're putting together they're the type of club that we should have a go at finishing above to stay in League One. Uh, and if I had to push you for a score prediction, Tom, for, for Saturday afternoon, bear in mind we've not lost at home all season. Um, you guys have, have got some pretty good, significant results as well. What what would you sort of lean towards? Probably a draw. I'm going to say a 3 1 win to Morecambe, and I'm not normally that bullish. And that's not disrespect to mm-hmm. Lincoln in any respect. I just think we're due a performance where things are just going to click. Um, maybe even a 3-2 or something like that, because we're always due to concede. But I just think, I've seen I've seen us be very Jekyll and Hyde. And I think, we, as you as you pointed out, the Plymouth, you said Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich have been your better performances. Whereas, actually, if we can sit, soak up, get the right players to heat on the break, I think we've got enough now that we can hurt sides. I... It probably rose tinted glasses on here, but I do think with the players that we've got, we're in a little. We could be in a little bit of a false position once it clicks.
Right. Well, thank you very much for that. So I think that wraps up our look ahead to the two games next week. I mean, we can't really break the two games down too much. Um, so thank you very much to Tom from Shrimps Online. So any other business? I think, first of all, we really need to talk about the um, the cup draw, don't we? Southampton away. Yep. Um, initial thoughts when we saw it was, I think also because it was, was it with the second team drawn out or the second match that was drawn out in the draw it was all yes, kind it of geared up all geared up for a big draw and then, oh it's over now oh okay we've got Southampton then fine um uh I'll be honest initial thoughts were that's a shame that it's a long way away um please it's a Premier League game uh, team please that there's likely to be a biggish crowd because it'll be their first match under their new manager we get to share 40 percent 45 percent of the gate receipts that's all positive um Downside is that there was a really, really big clubs available. If we're being if we're being greedy, um, and it wasn't even a case that some of them would all have been drawn out, you know. And then it was like the last few that like, oh well, we you know we've got the we've only got X and Y to choose from. We'll, we'll take what we can get. It was it was yeah, it was drawn out. The second one was like oh well, that's that then. Now I know what we're doing. Let's let's find a way of getting to Southampton if we can. Well, I turned the drawer off after that. I wasn't interested. Yes, yeah, I yeah, didn't even see the rest. It said, it said it was coming on at 10 o'clock and then it came on at half 10. And Fee, I was laid in bed actually waiting for it. And Fee was, so like, was wide awake. And in the end, she watched it and Southampton come out. And I went, oh, not that, not that. And he's like, Lincoln City. He's like, fuck off. And turned it off. And then I woke up the next morning and I kind of thought, actually, do you know what? It's a way. It's a Premier League team. And I know that people talk about the experience and blah, blah, blah. But when we talk about the FA Cup run, Nobody goes, oh, Arsenal away. What a great experience that was as a fan. It was shit. Mm. We got beat. Everybody talks about Burnley away, the game that we went and we actually won. And so, okay, I know memories are kind of dictated by um, by how you do, but I just think it's the sort of game actually we can do quite well in. Now, I've got a couple of good questions here because I did something really um, anal the other day, not literally uh, in, a, in, a, in a kind of metaphorical sense. Um, and that was, I went through every single League Cup game that we'd played. Um, I can't see your face. I can't see if you laughed at that because I've got Excel on the screen now instead. Let me move that. So that <laughs> You did laugh at that. Yeah, I, I, I realised what I'd said. Um, so I went through every single game, League Cup game that we'd played. Do you know which team? Um, no, I won't ask that, actually. So... Drawing Southampton and playing them for a fifth time will mean that they become the joint fifth high uh, mo team that we've played the most in the cup. So it will be our fifth meeting with them in this cup. Um, so that will that puts them level with Bradford, who we've played five times, Palace, who we've played five times, Mansfield and Rotherham. Um, and they'll be them and Rotherham are the only two that we will or we haven't beaten as yet. But do you know how many, the two teams that we've played the most times, and between these two teams in the League Cup, we've met them 19 times? So you haven't mentioned these yet, I take it? I haven't mentioned these yet. One of them is currently in the National League, and the other one's oh. currently in the Championship. Oh, well, my two guesses are incorrect then. Um, okay. I was going to say Derby. I felt like we played them quite a bit. I don't know why I think mm. that. I was going to say Man City, but again, because it was one big one, I remember. Uh, National League team we've played a lot in the League Cup. I think Derby we've played twice. Oh, you put me on my putting me on my toes here. Oh, I don't know. No, Derby's not a bad guess. Derby we've played four times. Okay, so we've played the others. The top four are Barnsley. We've played six times. We've only drawn them three times. So every time we've played them, it's been a, a, a two-legged affair. 
-hmm. Doncaster, we've played seven times, but we've only drawn them four times. One of them, we went to double replays. I think the third replay was ended up being um, played at the city ground. So we played at our place, their place, and then we played at the city ground. But the top two, Hull City. So we've played Hull nine times in this competition, beaten them five times. You know what? It feels like an absolute age since we've played Hull. Yep. Well, we played them at one point in the 80s. I think that when it was two-legged, we played them twice, two years in a row. I think it was something like 80-81 and 81-82, because at one point they were it was a big win for us. team we've played the most is York City. Uh. So we've only drawn them out of the hat five times, but we've played them ten times. Won three, lost four, drawn three. So there we go. I just wanted to get that in. I did all the work, and then I thought, actually, I don't think you I don't really to, think there's you want to justify your work. Yeah, I didn't think there was an article in it. So right, so we have a couple of questions, um, and the first one comes from Charlie, who I think you're on the supporters board with, not the one that's laid in a bed next to me farting. Um, I hope anyway. Um, <laughs> so what question did he ask? pause for a second well first of all pete summers asks how do you know someone's got a mac which is a dig at me um which i'll take yeah because um before we came on air you weren't moaning about it at all were you no i wasn't moaning about it at all when i I was i was trying to do a quick spreadsheet uh because again prep um so for charlie's question charlie's question is seeing as you love a stat what about the wingers this season? Diamond has got all the plaudits while Garrick's been a scapegoat, rightly so. Where do Vernon and Mandrew fit in and if they're ranked in different stats? So we'll pull a couple of stats out and then we'll we'll have a little bit of a chat about it. And mm-hmm. I'm just conscious of, of time here. So what would you judge a winger on? Crosses per 90, do we think? Traditionally, yes. So crosses per 90, Jack Diamond on 3.38. Charles Vernon on 2.79, Garrick on 1.42, and Danny Mandrew, interestingly, 0.52 crosses per 90. By the way, just as a disclaimer, these stats don't include Chippenham. Well, it doesn't matter anyway. We didn't get any crossed in the no. box. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, so successful dribbles, yeah. per- percentage, uh, Charles Vernon, 66% success. So in terms of dribbling and having an outcome, Charles Vernon comes out on top. Danny Mandrew on 60, Jack Diamond on 59.43, which is neither here nor there, and Garrick, Jordan Garrick on 57.41. Uh, I think you mentioned before we came on air, touches in the box. Mm-hmm. Jack Diamond, 3.1 per 90. Charles Vernon, 2.79. Jordan Garrick, 2.53. And Danny Mandrew, 1.56. Now, just to kind of throw all of these stats out the window, bear in mind Danny Mandrew played against Barnsley and he played against Ipswich when we were very defensive and there wasn't an awful lot of wing play going on, whereas Charles Vernon has appeared in Football League trophy games where you'd expect to get on the ball a little bit more. So I think we can temper these stats a little bit. Um, yeah. But if I you think take it's num- interesting is... They're not that far away from each other, are they? Apart from Mandroyo actually dropping below on some of those that surprised me. But like you say, there is some context there. But what is interesting is that Jack Diamond isn't streets ahead of everyone else on those. I know he's in, in the league. He's in terms of, I think, attempted dribbles. He's quite high, isn't he? But in terms of success, 
that brings him in line with with with, with most of the others in that team. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's other things like successful attacking actions per ninety. Um, and again, it goes Diamond, 6.13, Vernon, 5.58, Garrick, 4.04, Mandrew, 2.6. Now, Mandrew's a, 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 a little bit of an anomaly here because if he'd got 10, 15 games, his stats would be more comparable, I think, to the others. I agree, yeah. But potentially a little bit for Garrick as well, maybe. I don't know, potentially. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't want to use him as a scapegoat. I know Charlie mentioned him. I think a few people have seen him. And we, there's no denying he's maybe been a bit more disappointed than we hoped he'd be, after especially after his performance against Forest Green, came on, looked a real threat. I, you know, what I'd like to see him is if we get an in, if if we get an injury in our back four or back three even, and um, Regan Paul slots back in at centre back, yeah. I'd actually quite like to see him at right wing back. Hundred percent. That's where Swansea fans actually were moaning when he moved because they said he can play right wing back and we need a right wing back. Why are we letting him go out? And I think he would be a right wing back like Barley Mumba was on the left, I think, for Plymouth this this week. Yeah, he'd really be a really aggressive, the, high pressing. Yeah, front foot attacking. So that, like we played on on Saturday, let's fair, let's be yeah. honest. Like you wouldn't want to swap Regan Paul because he was outstanding once again. Um, but I'm saying it should because Regan Paul is our best right wing back and he's also our best centre back. Well, he's certainly up there. If he if he had to slot back in at centre back or he was injured. If he couldn't play in that right wing back position for whatever reason, not again, not that TJ's done anything wrong. Really, I think TJ's really started to settle into that role, not quite as forward thinking as as Paul showed again, but he's been dependable. He's been much more dependable than some people maybe give him credit for as well. But just in pure, what position in our squad does Jordan Garrick suit? It's the wing back more than it is that kind of right forward because we want that right forward to play close to Ben House, get into those pockets and he's very much better in, in that wider area, I think, rather than tucking in. And I think if you know imagine if he gets on full steam, he gets a bit of space to run into, it's gonna be bloody hard work to stop him. But we just haven't seen it for a little while. I find really interesting as well is the similarity, really close similarity between Vernon and Diamond in these numbers. Mm. Um where expected assists per ninety um Vernon is 0.17 diamond 0.06 next higher so actually vernon is expected to create or has been expected <laughs> to create more goals passes to the penalty area diamond 3.24 vernon 3.11 um so actually vernon and again we're talking probably with you know you're looking a little bit at mandrew as we've said being an anomaly and we're looking at garrett kind of not quite hitting the levels yet but there isn't a huge difference between Vernon and Diamond. I think Charles Vernon could be one of the unsung heroes come the end of the season. I think he's our player for a start. Um, I think he's got he's he's got the Jack Diamond. Everyone likes Jack Diamond because he gets his head down and he runs at players and he's willing to do this and he's willing to do that. And everyone goes, yeah, Jack Diamond can do it. And he scored five goals. Take the penalties off that. He scored two goals, I think, with two assists. Mm-hmm. Charles Vernon's got one goal and one assist. And, and hasn't played against. anywhere near as much football. Mm. So, yeah, if, if he'd been playing for the same amount of time as Diamond, would he have a similar... We People talk about the worry about Diamond leaving in, in January. And we would obviously bring somebody in. If, if, we, if we lose Jack Diamond in January, we'll obviously bring someone in. I think Charles Vernon is every bit as exciting in terms of what he can do. Maybe the levels are slightly different. Diamond might, you know, potential championship. I think Charles Vernon's every bit as exciting uh, as Filling City, and he's our player. Yeah, they're they're the same profile of player, aren't they? And I think what the, yeah. if we're looking at pure stats, take all the context away from it. 
our best two attacking for attacking wide players are in the team at the moment. So that's uh, a good but thing. Dan, but Danny Mandrews scored three goals. So pure, it depends. In, in pure stats in terms of what you just stats, discussed. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of those from a purely statistic point of view, without that context there that you discussed, which obviously is there. But if we're looking at pure numbers, yeah. Charles Vernon and uh, Jack Diamond are our best two forwards. They're in the team at the moment. Good. Well, that's here's, that. <laughs> here's another thing. Never know where the goals are going to come from, apparently. Um, Diamond, five. Vernon's got one, six. Garrick's got one, seven. Mandrew's got three, ten. Ten goals from out wide. And we're not actually yet opening the advent calendar. So, worse, again, it? yeah, it could be worse. Do you know what I mean? And, and we're not free scoring. I get it. But we do have the odd goal here and there. And if all of those numbers doubled by the end of the season and you've got 20 goals from you two, from, from, you know, a selection of wide players would be in a decent place. So I hope that answers your question, Charlie. We've got three questions all from Pete now. Um, so let's go first of all with who, if anyone, could be sold in jam, jam, as in the jam, but he means January, of course, but I have to point out a Pete error because he makes so few um, to uh, now because he's just going to do it to me now when I type bit instead of but, bollocks. Um, could be sold in January to raise funds for signings. Let, can I pick Dan. this up? Yeah, go, 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 go. I was going to say, I want to pick it up first. If we've got Southampton in the League Cup and um, potentially you know, money comes in from that, we've still got the Anthony Scully money potentially that we didn't spend or a portion of it, you would imagine. We don't have to sell anybody, I don't think, to raise funds for January transfer. Um, I know you're probably going to say the obvious one is Regan Paul. It is. We don't know. Have I read your mind? No. Okay, I'll come back to that. Well, kind Regan of. Paul. I had another point after that. Well, we, we don't know. I personally, and, and I don't know if you do and can't say with it being unsportsable, we don't know Regan Paul's contract situation. It's not public. So whilst the news has said he's out of contract at the end of the season, players like Anthony Scully had a year option in their contract that we were able to take up. We don't know if that's the case or not. Nothing's been confirmed by the club. People are saying Regan Paul's not signing a new deal. We don't actually know officially whether he has to sign a new deal or whether we can not force him, but trigger a clause in the contract. But Paul's the obvious one, especially as in the two for two model, um, you know, we probably are a defender over, but now we've changed formation. Are we? So, so sorry, that was my, my answer was that actually we don't need to sell to fund. Um, I, don't, I think it's more about progression. We're kind of on the same wavelength really. Um, so I was going to say we don't need to It'd be nice if we could get some more funds, but the FA Cup game could, but well, we've guaranteed some income from that, no matter what. Uh, Regan Paul, Cup, of course. That's yeah, correct. Yeah, let's not yeah. talk about that stupid FA Cup. We hate the FA Cup. We've never liked it. <laughs> Nothing good's ever happened in that competition yeah. for us, has it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, so Paul's the obvious answer, but if the rumours are true, which, like, as you said, we don't know, and I don't know, by the way, even, I'm not just playing dumb, I genuinely don't know, um, but let's assume he is out of contract at the end of the season. Um, in terms of raising funds, we're not going to raise that many if we sell him in January because mm. it's, you know, 100 grand, 150 max maybe. Um, is that nice? Yes. Is it life-changing for the club being able to bring in, you know, a, a marquee player in January? No, no, nowhere near enough for that. Um, for me, if we received a bid for a player that we couldn't turn down, I'm kind of thinking who's most likely to potentially receive that bid. I think that would be that's kind of where my mind went with this, and it would we would have to replace him, and I think we all wouldn't want him to leave. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I'll go out and say I don't think we will sell him. But it's Sean Rowan. I think Sean mm -hmm. Rowan has shown 
a maturity in his game this season. He's still only, what, 19 years old, been playing at centre-back, been playing at left-back and wing-back, and has been showing real promise. And it would not surprise me to see a low-end Premier League club like a Brentford come in for him and then send him back out on loan again. Someone like that. Um, I don't know that's the case, by the way. I haven't, I'm hoping that we don't. I'd love to get obviously to get another year or two out of him and then we can sell him for a bigger fee once he's even more established. But in terms of who's the most saleable right now that we've definitely got you know, further investment in and we know we have, he'd be the one for me. You know, on Sean Rowan, obviously he's been playing wing-back a little bit, been playing left-back. It wouldn't surprise me to see long term his long term role being left of a three where Joel Walsh no, be placed. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he's because that that position is just it's a perfect amalgamation between that centre back role and that standard left back role. It's like an in between yeah. because you're not just a sit back defending. You get on the ball when those channels open, you can go and carry the ball into it, which Joe Walsh has been brilliant at doing. Like he did brilliantly tra- on just Saturday. just tra- just travelling into those those pockets, which draws, it just it's overload, doesn't it? And you've still yeah. got your 2v1 at the back with your two other centre-backs. I just think that's, I long-term, that would be Sean Rowan's position it, for me. It's a very modern position as well, isn't it? Mm. The three at the back is a very modern kind of, this is how Premier League clubs want to play from the ground yeah. up. And if you're going to sign that type of player, it fits the profile perfectly. And they don't exist very much. You know, yeah. they're, not, they're not that common to find a left-footed centre-back that's good on the ball, good at going forward, good at defending. They're rare. And they're, so, again, my answer to that question would be Sean Rowan, but I don't think we will. Um, will we hang on to Regan Paul in January? Don't know. Let's wait and see. But he wouldn't raise us a lot of funds either no, way. It, but, of course, if he's not going to sign a new deal, if that is if that is all true, which we don't know, if that is all true, and he says, you know what, I'm going to keep my options open until to the end of the season, doesn't owe us anything, and we decide to cash in in January, so be it. Fair dues. He owes us nothing, and yeah. thank you very much. But if we keep him to the end of the season and then he leaves, that's also good. We're not going to be missing out that amount. And, of course, best-case scenario, he signs a new deal, and we keep him for another year or two. I can't see that personally, but no, um, I can't. He, he, he belongs in the championship, doesn't he? Yeah, he he's, does, a, yeah. he's quite clearly a championship quality player. If it's a choice between him leaving in January for cash or we hang on to him until the end of the season, for me, people will say it's a lack of ambition or it's a lack of um, putting the team first. If we don't, if we if we don't um, keep him till the summer, for me, it's a lack of ambition. If we do. Um, because your ambition has got to be sell players and bring them back in. And if we paid MK Dons 25 grand for him, off the top of my head, I don't know if that's the case. But if we paid them 25, 30 grand for him, and then six months before at the end of his contract, he leaves us for 100 grand, that's a profit. And let's face it, he's been a great player for us. And he's, he's probably up there for player of the season at the moment. If you were to name a, a player of the season up to this point, he yeah, would be one of the ones that you'd pick. He's, so. Even in the games that we've not been brilliant in, he still stood out as being having a good game. Yeah, yeah. He's not been below a 7 out of 10 in any game. One thing I just want to bring up on that is, what wouldn't surprise me, and again, I have absolutely no idea if this would be the case, is... Um, ignoring the fact that Regan Paul's been playing wing-back in the last couple of games, but he's obviously been primarily been a centre-back this season, it would not surprise me to see him go in January and then at a similar sort of time, Mr Monsford return to full fitness and just slot nicely into the team. And it's, yeah, we don't, we've, we've got, a, we've replaced a quality centre-back with a quality centre-back that's yeah. already in our squad. And yeah, that that's something that I wouldn't be surprised to see happen, but... I wouldn't be surprised to see Jay Ben head out on loan and us bring in a Brook Norton Coffee style um, wing back. 
as well yeah. personally right so we've just ticked over to the hour i don't know what that is with jake's bit it might be an hour and five so we're gonna to have to knock through the next questions quite quickly because i can smell my chicken booner um cooking uh so which of the on loan keepers from the last few seasons have been the best for the imps and which will have the best career in the game are we including Carl Rushworth in this yeah okay who's been best in my opinion marginally was palmer I think, he was, I think he was really dependable. But who's going to go on and have a better career? Rushworth. Okay. I think Palmer is playing for West Brom, and that's probably his ceiling. Because he's, he's, But Cole Rushworth has been outstanding this season for us, and he's not in the under-21s for no reason. He's shown gradual progression, you know, been at Walsall last year, now at us, and, and doing well. Maybe he's, yeah, he has a potential to play much higher than that. So, yeah, if we're if we, if we wrapping through it really quickly, Alex Palmer, best for us. Carl Washworth, um, biggest potential. Um, Josh Griffiths was still a good goalkeeper, but I think the other two have just kept him to those two other accolades just, just slightly. I, I think it's hard. I think in terms of best for us, you have to say Palmer because, one, we haven't seen Rushworth all season and that might change by the end of the season. But, you know, Carl, uh, Alex Palmer was in goal for us when we um, got to a playoff final in League One, so he's got to have been kind of best for us. In terms of career in the game, <coughs> as things stand right now, I'm actually going to say Alex Palmer. Now, the reason I'm going to say that is because he has got first-team football. Now, he started going around Worcester and Kidderminster, and he then obviously then came through Plymouth, he came through us, he's gone to West Brom, he's in their first team. For me, he's now in a better position to have a stronger career because he's cracked the first team. Josh Griffiths, Good goalkeeper, did well at Cheltenham. I think it was Cheltenham, did well for relatively well for us. Having a mare at Portsmouth, fans on his back, Danny Cowley having to defend him. And where does he go? If he goes back to West Brom, does he does he displace Alex Palmer? He may well not do, because if Palmer's established himself, a young goalkeeper, saleable, Griffiths were then as another loan. It's got to be in League One. His career stagnates a little bit. Yeah, yeah I Rushworth, see Josh Griffiths next four or five years being similar to Alex Palmer's previous four or five years. Yeah, but Palmer never stagnated, did he? Palmer no, always well, went up. True. That's true. He always Good went point. up the divisions. I mean, Griffiths... in regard to going back to his parent club, but not quite been able to get back in the first team, then going back out on loan again. Yeah, I, I get that. But I think when your loans, if all your loans are in League One, it begins to peg you. And I think about who's the boy who's just signed for Exeter, who Jamal Blackman, who was at Chelsea, mm. and he was rated really highly, but the progression wasn't there. Dean Henderson, on the other hand, kind of went through the loans and, and pushed himself on. So, But Carl Rushworth is two years, three years, four years behind Alex Palmer. So it's really hard to tell. I think Rushworth has the ability to do it. And there's... Um, but he, you know, for us, we don't know yet. We can't say that he's been the best. I think he's a really good goalkeeper. So for me, it's only really this question able to judge between, at the minute, Griffiths and and, um, and Palmer. And the last question, a little bit of a fun one from Pete. Inspired by your German trip, if the Imps could play an away game against any side in the world, who and why? It's a great question. Uh, I don't. Have you got a definite answer to this? Well, the only one I thought of was, and, and it's purely for kind of the novelty value, not for a fan value, uh, was Lincoln Red Imps of Gibraltar. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, 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 was, that, was, that was kind of for that. I think other than that, um, I'm kind of thinking like, where, where, where would I want to go? What would I want to see? Yeah. I've, got, I've got a definite answer. I like on, what's yours? And I'm, and I'm, a, I'm a football stadium nerd. We'd get battered, um, but 
go to the San Siro against one of the Milan teams. Okay. Just yeah. because I, I I really want to go to the San Siro before it gets knocked down. It's like a football cathedral. Um, <laughs> and one of the lads that plays um, plays for rugby Sunday morning, uh, my Sunday team, he he went last weekend and showed a picture of it. I was, I was incredibly jealous. Um, there's so many big away clubs and big away grounds and good cities that I'd like to go. It would be amazing for Lincoln to go to it. But I think if I had to pick one, purely because we all know that the San Siro is not going to be here forever, that's my answer. Yeah, I, I can't really stick with Lincoln Red Imps because it would be like watching watching us play games for Trinity or something, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't think their ground is is all that big. Um, They're getting a new one. Are they? Yeah. The Gibraltar they? played last night and it was their last match in that stadium, it's set, apparently. So okay. that's exciting for them. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, the other one, and again, it, it's purely and simply from a personal point of view, I kind of like to go <laughs> and see them play Bari. Um really like the... The Bari Stadium, San Nicola, isn't it? Yeah, the the, yeah. the San San Nicola, which is, and do you know why that is? Why it's called it's that? Because yeah, it's because Saint Nicholas or or San or, or Father Christmas to many people, his tomb is actually in the um, cathedral at Bari. So That's you can visit the tomb quiz. of Saint Nicholas. Quiz knowledge that is. There you go. I've been there. I actually visited it when I went to to Bari, it's, and and I, I quite like the south of Italy. It's it's like the north of England, and it's the bit that people in the country kind of go, you know, Ooh, down south, and all the cosmopolitan stuff in Italy is in the north, and I kind of identify with that more. So Puglia, for instance, with it's got Bari. Um, kind of down there, and you go a little bit further down, and you've got Lecce and and, and places like that, and just the whole region is 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 really cool. So um, yeah, I will go with that. So I'm uh, I'm pretentious because I want to go to Milan, <laughs> San Siro. Then it's not pretentious, is it? No. I think again, yeah. I, no, you're I, absolutely right. Yeah. I I definitely associate myself more with the north of the south, just like I would do in England. Therefore, would feel yeah. more at home in the south of Italy, just in Bari. Um, so let's move the San Siro. To the south of Italy. Yeah, yeah. Move it to, to Bari. Yeah. Interesting we've both picked Italy. I do you know what I'd quite like to see us play. It depends it depends on what level, doesn't it, as well? Because if it's just a friendly, you kind of go, oh well, we could go here, we could go there anywhere. But if it's on a competitive level, um I'd love to I'd love it wouldn't happen, but I'd love Lincoln to play a competitive game at Celtic Park, actually. Um I don't, I don't know why. I, there's just something I think about kind of Celtic that that would attract me to that, and I don't want to go and watch a game there, particularly myself. But, I just but, think you, but you would if we were in it. Let's be honest. Yeah, 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 our, yeah. The only way we'd do that is if we got into Europe, and if yeah, we got into Europe, I think we'd be happy to go to any ground. I'd go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, we probably only Yeah, Tromso. Well, we want to go there anyway. That's yeah, the true. irony. So. Yeah, true, right. Point. So we're running well over. So I've got a little bit of something to promote. Um, so this is from Chris Turner. His nephew, Callum Turner, works for the foundation, is a season ticket holder. He's currently on a charity challenge to do 100 keepy-ups each day throughout November for the Bobby Moore Foundation. Do you know what? I can't do 10. Fair play, uh, Callum. As part of this challenge, he's choosing different locations across the city, wearing different football kits whilst doing the challenge as well. He's raised £300 so far and would be great to get him above £500. Um, so any support would be appreciated. There's a link to his fundraiser. So I'll put this link in the um, bio for the pod. So wherever you get your podcasts, I'll put this. I'll put this link in, uh, and I, I may well retweet it as well. So it's fundraising for Cancer Research UK. Very, very um, uh, commendable 
um, charity. So, yeah, go for if you want to back Callum, please do. Uh, any other business, Mr. Lamming? No, not from me this week. Thank you. Bring on Saturday three points, please. Yes, that's what I say. And on Saturday, I shall actually be drinking as well because it is my birthday on Saturday. So, um, yeah, my I'm getting a lift in with my dad and it will be uh, just a couple in the tipsy imp and then me and uh, Mr. Pathway here are going to go into the Ivy for one or two after the game. You had to get uh, in, and then. Yeah, and then <laughs> I didn't say it at all this week. But yeah, that's you did say one. Pat. That's my next one. That's my next one. We've got two catchphrases now. Bloody hell! See, I've, I've got to tell people, and I've got to go in a minute because dinner's nearly ready. So, uh, but we went. We were walking around Cologne, and um, and we went. There was this building. It did look important, and we were looking for somewhere to go. And Chris said, "Oh, this looks important." And anyone who follows a Twitter account called Angry People in Local Newspapers. What they do when they find a story that isn't important at all, they post it on there with this looks important. And I said to Chris, oh, you've reminded me. And all the way in Cologne, I was scrolling through it and I couldn't find a single instance of it at all. Uh, and then one came up the other day, so I tagged you in it. It's a, it's a wank story. Uh, people who have hung on to hear that story are going to go, really? Is that all you've got for us? Um, so there we go. You had so, to be there. You had to be there. You did have to be there, but you weren't. And Ben was hacked off because he didn't get an invite, did he? Chris. No, I, I'm really sorry about that. I'm really someone sorry told him while that. he was drunk that we would keep him informed. And I just didn't. I'm, I'm genuinely <laughs> sorry, Ben. I couldn't even remember that I mentioned it to you. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I owe you one. I owe you a point. I, quickly on, on Saturday, guys, you mentioned having a drink at the Tipsy Imp. Absolutely, definitely. I tell you what, I need to be really careful with those um, IPAs. Yeah. They're strong. Yeah. They are strong. A couple of those, definitely. Definitely. So, right. That's that. That might even be um, Pete, Pete Summers messing me. The Ronaldo documentary that was on the BBC this week is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I'll, I'll, yeah. Thank you, Pete, for that. Um, anyway, there we go. So all that remains to be said is we shall see you Saturday and up the imps. Up the imps. Up the imps. I like that. Passion. <laughs> It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.